Jeremiah 6, verse 16. And I'm really emphasizing the entire verse except for the last sentence. Uh, We will briefly look at that last sentence. But really what I want to look at is, is the promise that takes place here in Jeremiah 6, verse 16. Starting with verse 16. Well, it's only verse 16, so. Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will have rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Let's pray again. Lord, we want to say, yes, Lord, we will walk in it. We'll find this rest in the old path that you have provided. Lord, you have a path for each person here. Lord, help us this morning to step back on it, to walk on it in your spirit. Speak to each heart as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to start off, we look at three things this morning, if you're taking notes. The first thing right here, in the, other than where it says, thus says the Lord, now that, that's important because we know who's speaking here, right? This, isn't even, this is not Jeremiah the prophet speaking, it's God. Um, you and I, by the way, do get leading from the Lord, we do get direct words from the Lord, but usually right in the word. But the prophets, God would speak directly to them. And often what he spoke to them actually became the very scriptures we're reading. And this is the case here. So God is speaking. God says, thus says me. God says, I am the one saying this. Stand in the ways and see is the first thing he wants us to understand. Stand in the ways and see. Have you ever been sitting and something blocking your view? I'm sorry if the person in front of you is doing that right now, um, especially if you've got some really big dude in front of you. Of course, we've all had this happen. It could be at a ceremony. You're like, this is our kid's graduation. I can't see. Some guy six, seven, three hundred has the seat in front of me, right? Sporting venue, maybe a parade. And then the, the really smart parents put the toddler on, and now the person, now the toddler can see, but nobody can see, (laughs) because the dad has the toddler, and standing there in the parade, and and I can't see, and it's really bad, and you're at Disney, and you spent money, or something like that. But any number of places where the only option you have to be able to get a good view is to stand up, to stand up. And typically, in many of those situations, we actually want to stand up, but we're not in a position to stand up. We're not able to do so. Uh, we know we'll immediately be blocking the view of others, so we just stay seated, but the vision's still blocked. But spiritually speaking, numerous things in life can block our view. You ever had things just block your vision spiritually? Are you just not seeing straight, not seeing things correctly? can be trials. Trials can really cloud our view, can't they? The trials in your life. They can be so overwhelming, that's all you see is the trial that you're actually in. can be pain, something that's happened to you. 
Some kind of relationship issue. Can be weights that we looked at in Hebrews 12, weights that we're holding on to that God told us a long time ago to lay down. We're still holding on to them. Certain sins that, that we don't want to give up, they're not that big a deal, but they're actually separating us from seeing God. We looked at those uh, also a couple weeks back in Hebrews 12. But here, God himself is doing the speaking. And although we know he's speaking to Israel, some 2,600 years ago, he's speaking to Israel here, to the nation. By way of application, he's speaking equally to us and directly to us. Israel then, but us now. He wants us to see something. He wants to give us clear sight and a clear vision for life. Don't you hate it when your car windshield is so, you can't even kindly see? see? Sometimes it, you have it clean. We were driving down to Florida a few weeks ago, and the rain was so heavy, we could hardly see like a few feet in front of the car. It's a little unnerving when you've got tractor trailers right behind you that think that they can keep going 75, and you're like, how are you going to brake? I guess our car will serve as your brakes. Um, <laughs> But when you can't see, he wants to give us clear vision. He wants to give us a clear view of his will. A lot of times we pray, Lord, what's your will in this? A clear view of his wisdom. But we're going to have to, as this text says, stand and see. Stand in the ways and see. We're going to have to stand up and look in a specific direction with intentionality, but by his grace. Everything God asks us to do, he gives us the grace to do it. Amen? Thankful for that, right? He gives us the grace to do it. We're going to have to stand. We're Just like we talked about, we're going to have to run our race. No one else can run your race for you. You, me, each one of us have to individually run the race. Pastor Randy had to run his race. You'll have to run your race. I'll have to stand. You have to stand. But to even run a race or to even walk a race, we first have to stand, don't we? We have to stand. And God's called Israel, in that time, he's called us to stand and see. Yet in this case, as is often the case with Israel, they didn't want to stand. Sometimes we don't want to stand. It, we may be exhausted. You ever been too tired to stand up? Just exhausted. Where's the remote? I'm not even going to stand to find it. <laughs> I generally know where it landed. <laughs> oh, the kids were in here, so it's probably not there, right? Too exhausted to stand. Sometimes we're confused, just kind of like that brain fog feeling, just confusion, unsure of things, or just really comfortable. Ah, I'm so comfortable here. Jesus, go into all the world. I don't even want to go into the next room. <laughs> you ever had a spouse or friend say, hey, come look at this? You ever had someone say, hey, come here and look at this? You're comfortable. You've just settled down. You've got a book in your hand. Maybe you're scrolling for absolutely no reason whatsoever. And really important stuff, though, that you're scrolling through, right? You're just about to drift off into a nap. You really don't feel like standing up and to go see what they're convinced you're going to love to see. In my life, sometimes I've been rewarded in those moments where I'm like, well, I'm really glad I can. And other times, I'm like, why did I get up for this? <laughs> that non eventful, non inspiring <laughs> moment that it was, right? 
whatever it is. But that's not the case here. This is the living God. God's not saying, hey, I've got something really lame, unimportant you should look at. It's, it's probably not even worth your time. This is the living God, and he's bidding us to stand and see things from his perspective. Stand in the ways and see is what the Lord's voice is saying. Stand and see these things. The inference here is that we're in a position that we're either, this is the inference to Israel, but to us. The inference to Israel is they were either in a position where they were not standing or they were not seeing what they should be seeing. That's the inference. God says, because currently you have the wrong perspective. You're not seeing things as you should. You're not in a position to see them. So I'm going to tell you how to get there. You need to stand up and look in this direction. Stand in these ways and see. And when we're in a position like that, we're simply unable to see or hear the counsel of God until God says, here's what you need to do. And understand, I believe this call by the Lord, it covers a wide variety of circumstances. It's not just one scenario here. There's many scenarios where you could be in a position where God's saying, you need to stand up. You need to stand up and look in this direction. Now, within the context of Jeremiah 6, you may be of the mindset that you don't need to see things from God's perspective. There's plenty of people in Chesterfield County, in Richmond, Virginia, that don't even believe in God. They don't need to see things from God. In their view, I'm not saying they're right, but in their view, they don't need to see things from God's perspective. Sometimes even Christians. I don't really need God's help right now. When I need it, then I'll know I need it. By the way, you need it whether you know you need it or not. I need it, whether I know I need it or not. But sometimes people are like, well, I don't really need God's perspective, at least not right now. And, and that was Israel here. If you read the whole chapter, Israel didn't think they needed God's help. Now, they wanted God's blessing, but they didn't really think they needed his help. Doesn't that seem like a contradiction? We would really like God's blessing, but we generally don't need his help. Or do we need to stand and look in his direction? And it, but maybe if a rough patch comes, but not right now. And that's the way Israel's heart went. Sometimes that uh, can be uh, an individual's heart as well. You may be as comfortable as can be. Things are right where you want them. So much at ease, enjoying life. Let's just keep scrolling through life while God is still calling you by name. God is still calling you by name. In the buffet line of life, you're putting a little scoop of God on your plate just to balance things out. Make sure uh, there's no God on the plate. A little scoop. That's what Israel was doing. That's what Israel as a nation was doing. They were doing whatever they wanted. They had their own vision. They had charted out their own plan. They said, this is how we're going to live life. This is what's important to us. This is what makes us happy. This is what we need. God says, you're wrong. No, that's not it. That's not it. But they said, no, it is. That's what's on our plate. We'll put a little dab of God to make sure that we go to the temple every now and then. We're good to go. For others, you may be in an altogether different position. It may not be just your just kind of little dab of God or things like that. You may be in a different position. You may want to stand. 
You may want to see things from the viewpoint of God, but you've been laid out lately, wiped out. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe it's your health. Maybe you just feel completely down and out. I don't know. There's, I'm sure there's people in here that fit all of those descriptions. In an audience this size, there's probably somebody for each of those areas. Uh, you can hardly look up. Maybe it's sadness. Maybe it's just um, you know, some type of attack in your spirit. Uh, maybe it's your health, damaged relationships, a divorce, prodigal situation. Maybe it's just a continuous spiritual attack. You're actually walking, Lord, but you're dealing with a lot of spiritual... You can actually be in love with Jesus and be in some of the biggest battles of your life. That's a fact. I've experienced that as a pastor. It's not, it's not fun, but actually that's when you more need to look for God. Press in even more. Not say, well, you know, just kind of just stay back. God is saying to stand and look in this direction. That is our hope. Let's face it. Job loved God, didn't he? Didn't he? But when the attacks came, he couldn't see straight. Could he? Job loved God. So much God said, have you seen my servant Job? I kind of don't want God and the enemy to have that discussion. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, Timmy's ranked number 8,000 on the list or something like that. So, right, yeah. Get somebody else at the top of the list. Job, thank you for taking one for the team, right? But in the whole world, he, he, he was taken on. And so he couldn't even see straight during that time. He was devastated. His head was down in despair for a while. Read the whole book of Job. Maybe you feel defeated, depressed, anxious today. Perhaps you're here today and you're kind of comfortably numb to the voice of God. Maybe that's the thing. You're not in despair. You're just kind of comfortably numb you're not in despair, but you're highly distracted. It's another area. Again, there's a lot of scenarios because we're complex individuals, right? It's a lot of things. That, Satan will use them all. He, he can look at every different person and say, all right, this will work on this person, this will work on this person, this will work on this person. You know, I'll give you a practical example. My wife likes Twizzlers. You'll never tempt me with Twizzlers. <laughs> it's gonna have to, you're going to have to use like pie with me or something like that. <laughs> You know, the, the enemy knows each person, right? It's just certain things. And so whatever the enemy can do to distract you, keep you from looking in the direction of God, he will do that thing. But we contribute because we actually still can either say yes or no to thus saith the Lord. But for whatever reason, we can be standing in the wrong place. And we're standing in the wrong place, we're just going to be going in circles. And here's the thing. No matter where we're at, no matter where we're at, whether it's exhausted, depressed, highly distracted, just having such a good time, I don't really need God right now, whatever it is, the response is still the same. Here's what it is. To come back to agreement with God. To agree with the Lord. If thus saith the Lord, we say, Lord, you're right. No matter what my feelings, if you're here Wednesday, we had a message from Ken Han, uh, not Ken Han, Ken Grace. Ken's another guy. Uh, but uh, Ken Grace and he was talking about not living by feelings. Thus saith the Lord cuts through any circumstance, doesn't it? doesn't matter what it is. Thus saith the Lord. In agreement with God, it's to reopen the promises of God and to relook at the Son of God, to relook back 
at the promises and the Son of God. Ephesians 6.14, it says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with what? Truth. Truth cuts through everything. God doesn't placate us. He gives us truth. We're going to see why this is so important in just a minute. We stand by faith because the truth and the faithfulness of God strengthens our spirit and it strengthens our resolve. Because by nature, we have no real spirit or resolve to follow the Lord. Adam and Eve proved this right out of the gate. True? Didn't take much to move their spirit in a different direction. Even after you get saved, you still have your flesh to fight against, right? Your flesh always wants to do the opposite of what God's saying. Your flesh says, sit down and read your word. I mean, the word, the, the... the Spirit of God is saying, sit down and read the Word. Your flesh says, this magazine looks awesome, even though I've read it 12 times. I'm going to read it again. But then you're, because your flesh says, well, I've already read those verses too, and I know them, but you've got you to be rewatered. I have plants in my outside yard. Just because they got watered last month doesn't do them any good this month, right? They've got to be rewatered and continually watered, or they'll dry up. But truth, we stand by faith because God gives us his truth. And then we, when we receive the truth, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, we're reminded of his faithfulness. And that strengthens our spirit. And it helps us to say, I can do all things through Christ. That's true, right? The opposite. What can we do without Christ? Nothing. It's to re-believe that our natural desires and our natural feelings are not truth. Let me say that one again. It is to re-believe, as, as we, re- we stand and we look in the direction of God, it is to re-believe that our natural desires and our natural feelings are not truth. I don't feel like worshiping. God says, you need to worship anyway. Your feelings have nothing to do with truth. And that Every now, sometimes our feelings match truth, don't get me wrong. When we feel like worshiping, that's a beautiful thing. But when we don't feel, the truth is what we look to. That makes sense? You keep looking back to what is true, and it strengthens our spirit. It strengthens our resolve. Israel was following their own ways, the world's ways. But you understand that the world's ways, the enemy's ways are always to grind us down. That's not God's way. God is never in the business of grinding us down. Do we, all, do we believe that? Yes. He said, I've given you a hope and a future. We can either stand and uh, see or we can stay in a place of clouded vision that will only get more dim and more dark, and blind us more over time. That's the only option. Either stand or see, or become more and more blinded. We have to reopen the Word. We have to refocus our eyes on Jesus. You know the song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, right? Look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim, and the light of his glory and grace. The opposite is true. If you turn away from Jesus, then the things of God become strangely dim. 
That's step one. Look to him. Moving on here. Same verse. Stand in the ways and see. Next sentence. And ask for the old paths where the good way is. What can we take away from this? Ask for the old paths where the good way is. Step two. We have a heavenly father that invites us to ask for his help. Isn't that good to know? We can ask God for help. We first have to obey his simple and trustworthy commands, but once we're in agreement with God, we talked about that right at the outset, once we're in agreement with God, it changes our relationship with God. To be in agreement with God, then the flow of the goodness and grace of God, kind of like the gate is open and the water rushes in, the good water that nourishes us. Once we're in agreement with God, it changes that relationship. And when that happens, it changes us and it changes our heart's desire. I've been saved since 1995. The Lord changed my heart's desire in a permanent sense, but I continually need the Holy Spirit to change my heart's desire in a daily sanctifying sense. Does that make sense? A lot of sense there, right? But um, God is continually shaping our heart after his own. No matter the depth of your walk with the Lord, it can still grow deeper. Do you believe that? No matter how deep your walk with Jesus is, it can still grow deeper. Israel could have been much closer to God than they were at that time. But by choice, they weren't. There's more he wants to show us. There's more God wants to reveal to us. More of his glory he wants to display. More of what he wants us to ask for and desire in that relationship. That he wants us to desire it at the heart level, in the inner man, as the New Testament says. In Psalm 34, verse 8, and we have this passage out in the fellowship hall where the coffee area is. It says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You have to taste and see that the Lord is good. We know he's good, but God says, now taste and see for yourself. I can tell you, hey, this, this meal is really good. Don't believe me? Try it. That's what God is saying. Taste and see that the Lord is good. But the rest of the verse, the rest of the verse is just as important. We don't have that out there, I don't, I don't think. I think we have a dot, dot, dot. The rest of the verse says, blessed is the man who trusts in him. You cannot taste and see the Lord is good unless you trust. The rest of the verse is just as important. Blessed is the man or woman that trusts in him. You have to trust God to taste and see. You cannot taste the goodness of the Lord without obeying his voice. My sheep, Jesus said, hear my voice and they follow me. To stand and see leads to tasting and seeing. Right? You follow the progression? Hey, come get this. You got to stand up. Then you partake and you taste and see. And you start to say, what I already believed was true, I'm now experiencing as true. A walk of faith leads to a personal experience of faith. A walk of faith leads to a personal experience of faith. But the first steps are scary, right? Ask Abraham, where is this promised land, right? Come to the land I will show you. Where is it? I will show you. Just follow where are we headed? Right? As we recognize the faithfulness of God, our trust in his ways becomes more concrete. 
we begin, our trust in him becomes more concrete. All of us can actually have more concrete faith. I don't care how long you've been saved. God wants to strengthen your belief that what he's saying is true. How many of you have a deeper, serious question here, how many of you have a deeper trust and appreciation for your spouse now than you did 10 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago? Amen. A deeper appreciation. I did did y'all renew about I hope that you have a deeper appreciation 30 years later than you did at the year three. I do. My wife and I loved each other when we got married, but I have a much deeper appreciation for her now, it'll be 25 years next year, than when we started out. Because over time, if there really is faithfulness, it deepens trust, doesn't it? That's what happens. The tried and tested faithfulness affirms love. Tried and tested, hear that again, tried and tested faithfulness affirms love and trust for the present and future steps. That's what it does. But with God, it's even much more than that. I mean, we can actually try and relate a, a, a human relationship. With God, it's much, much more than that. He is far more faithful and trustworthy than every spouse in history combined. Right? He's far more trustworthy. Speak that to yourself, by the way. Keep telling yourself, Lord, you're far more trustworthy than all of humanity combined. He's far more dependable. His advice is perfect. You ever got advice from a friend? Sometimes it's worked great. Sometimes not so great. Even our spouse, with the best intentions, sometimes we've given each other not the best advice, not intentionally, because we're just flawed. God's not flawed. He has no flaws. If he says this is the best way, you don't have to like, I wonder if I should get a second opinion. God said this, but I wonder if my neighbor, who's really smart, has a better idea. He's more dependable. God can not only have empathy for our situations, he can renew us in them. See, people can have empathy for you, but they can't really help you a lot of times, can they? You can have all the empathy, and it's sincere, and they're praying, but they really can't do something for you. If you have a good spouse, God can do more than scratch your back at the end of a tough day. He can re-strengthen your back. Isn't that great? Amen. I appreciate that. Is that my girls? Hey, I'm watching the game. Hey, how about a little back scratch? God can do more than that. <laughs> he can actually give you back the strength that you did not have. Mounting up like wings, like eagles. We can take for granted our spouse. We can take for granted friends. We can take for granted... Uh, Friends that are in the Lord, we can take for granted a job. We can take for granted that we have food deep. We can take for granted that God's given us a church. And many other things we can take for granted. But more than all those things, we can take for granted or forget altogether that we're children of the God who created everything and we're loved by his son. We can forget that, can't we? You can forget that tomorrow, and you've been saved for years, and you just kind of forget it, and you'll just get busy and forget this simple truth that you are a son or daughter of God, saved by Jesus. We can forget that. But again, he wants to turn our vision that would turn our heart's desire. So you have to turn the vision first, and then as the eyes look in the direction of the Lord, it starts to come down, and God starts to turn the heart as well.
We had been in Hebrews the last couple of weeks. And what happened in Abraham's life, we see this in Hebrews 11, is that Abraham, he came to love God more than the promises of God. Did you know that? Abraham came to love God more than the promise. So much so that God said, put the promise on the altar. That was Isaac, right? He came to love the Lord more than what the Lord was giving him or could give him. And so we know about the old. We know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God changes not, right? He's eternal. He's everlasting. We understand the old and what he did in the life of the saints before us, he wants to do again. The old paths, where it says right here, ask for the old paths. What are the old paths? The old paths are this, to seek communion with God in the way the saints of old came to find what communion with God really was. The whole reason the saints are written before us is to show us that they found, not because they were special, but because they were obedient. They found communion with God, and they found that the presence of God was greater than even the things God could do for us. That's why, Abraham, that's why Moses was willing to give up all the gold and silver of Egypt for the sands of the Sinai, because the presence of God was greater, he esteemed, than the riches of Egypt, which was also written in Hebrews as well. The old paths to seek that same communion that the saints before us. See, Enoch walked with God, didn't he? Abraham was called the friend of God. Moses was humble and devoted to God, spent time on the mountain with God. David became a man after God's own heart. Do you see the picture, the saints of old? It was all about them and God, not them and the stuff. Israel wanted the stuff. God, give us bigger houses. Give us nicer chariots. Right? Gimme, gimme, gimme. God says, ask for me. That's the old path. That's what the saints before you really desire. They desired the presence of the Lord. And by the way, none of the saints of old found utopia on earth. Hebrews 11, we talked about that. But they did find contentment in the presence of God. Contentment, Paul said, Godliness with contentment is great gain. The good way, what does it mean here? Uh, seek the old path where the good way is. The good way is that oneness with God that becomes the focus of our prayer life more than receiving something from God. The good way is that relationship where we start to truly, more than anything, desire presence of God more than, God, I need this, 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 and then I'll be happy. God knows what we need. Jesus said, your father knows what you need. Tomorrow's cares are enough for tomorrow. Today, seek first the kingdom and his rights, and everything else will be added unto you. They never found these things, but they did find communion with the Lord. Israel and many people still find themselves in two extremes. Israel and many people today in 2018 still find themselves in two extremes. One extreme is completely ignoring God and really having no relationship with God. 
The other extreme is trust is believing in God and they put their faith in God, but they're constantly pleading with God rather than trusting in God. Do you see that extreme? One is no relationship at all. I don't, I don't, you know, you you Christians, you you need a crutch, so you need to talk to your God and all that stuff like that. The other extreme is all right, I have a relationship with God, and all I do is constantly plead with him, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, where God is saying, trust in me and just sit in my presence. You see the difference? Those are two extremes. This asking, it says, ask for the old path. It doesn't say ask for a bunch of stuff. It says, ask for the old path. The old path is that deep communion that Abraham, Enoch, David, that they had that they could have in a cave, on a mountain, in a valley, 23rd Psalm stuff, right? That's what we're talking about. That kind of asking, it only comes first with agreement with God and then growing close in relationship to God. So you start, uh, you start to have as this church, the mind of Christ. Jesus could have asked God for anything, Right? When he was on the earth, we, we look at his earthly minute, he could have asked the Lord for anything. He could have just called down anything. But it was always his relationship with the Father that was paramount, wasn't it? That's what he was teaching the disciples. Your relationship with me is more important than what I can give you. There'll be a day for rewards for all of us, but that's generally going to be where? Heaven. Now it is to experience this relationship. Jesus said in John 16, 24, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Not your bank account. That your joy may be full. Not the fridge. God knows what you need. But we're asking, Lord, relationship-wise. Everything people, we were talking about this, I was talking to this, a group of men, I said, you know, everything people buy and try and get their hands on is always to find joy, Right? I only, new car smell, I have joy. <laughs> what happens when the new car smell's gone? Joy's gone, right? Got to find another one, right? Need a bonus, need a, need a new job, need this, that. That's why people change relationships, right? Yeah, great when you were young and way better looking, right? Find a new model, right? Or you can actually grow on something deeper and not need that. Right? Because there's a spiritual depth that God is always... And so God has shown us in everything, it's the relationship with me is ultimately what will give you, if you had all the money in the world but you couldn't have peace, what's it really worth? Not much. Jesus said, ask that you receive, that your joy... Ask for what? Jesus said, ask that you would abide in me and grow. John 15. Abide. Abide, abide. Ask those kind of things. Those become pure prayers. I'm not saying that we never have to ask for things. Yes, we, this isn't a teaching that said, all right, we never, we pray and intercede for things, yes. But more than anything, let's seek first that relationship that the other things would be added as needed. We're looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and as he purifies our desires... We're asking for what? More of his presence. And we'll find there in his presence the solutions for all the other things we need. Amen? Last thing as we come to a close. 
walk and rest. Ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. Now, as we noted, it tells us their response to this counsel from God. And they said, this is Israel, as a whole, there was exceptions to this. Jeremiah himself didn't say this. There's always a remnant that says, yes, Lord, we agree. But most of Israel said, we will not walk in it. Thanks for the advice, God. Don't need it. Bad decision, by the way. They would be ripped. All ten northern tribes would be ripped out by the Assyrians in a horrific, horrific way. America, by the way, is not immune to God leveling us in no time flat. Amen. Anyone that thinks, well, we got Navy SEAL, we got, uh, we got, we got aircraft carriers, we got this one, that, and we got smart people, we got Hollywood, we got money. We also have lots of San Andreas faults. We also have coastlines. We also have a God that can, anytime he wants, say, tip the scales, right? Israel didn't seem to understand that. Part of truth is to understand the holiness of God, the mercy of God, but also understand that God eventually says, Enough is enough. Yes, yes. Now, to the church, he's still giving us grace, and he's saying, look at the promise here. All he was saying to Israel was, I don't want to judge. He says, walk in it, then you will find rest for your souls. Seems like a really good deal, right? Lastly, the third step here in the counsel of the Lord, as we stand and see things from God's perspective, and as we ask for his presence and that communion with him, finally... We have to walk daily, daily in his truth and by his spirit. Walking in it. We stand and see. First, our vision was clouded. Lord says, stand and see things from my... Okay, Lord, I see it. Now start to pray in this manner. Lord, I'm praying just deep in my roots. All the stuff that I need, you're going to bring. You're going to take care of all that stuff. Now stop kind of worrying about it. Jesus said, you worry about everything. Look at the birds. So then we start praying for the presence and the communion of God. But lastly, we have, to, we have to walk in this and walk in it. It's our protection. It's our advancement in a falling world to walk in the ways of the Lord. This speaks to the consistency of our faith. Does that make sense? The consistency of our faith. Do you want people in your life who are consistent or inconsistent? Would you like a consistent, I'm talking about in a good way, I'm not, I want a consistently poor individual in my life, you know, the, one that lets me down daily, right? That's, that's the person I want. Are you, are you qualified to let me down every single moment? Yes. Now, you're not hiring that person, right? I want a person who consistently never shows up to the job one time. I mean, ever, ever, never. They are so consistently late that we get nothing done. That's not, the Lord is saying, no, I want you to consistently put on the whole armor of God to walk in the ways of the Lord. At our house, we don't have any perfect people. How about yours? But I just say, let's consistently go to Jesus. Let's consistently open the Word. Let's consistently pray. Let's consistently go to church. Let's consistent, and that consistency, God will bless it. I promise you. God told Israel, I, yeah, I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm saying you're consistent. I'm going to perfect you in the process. Isn't that great to know? If we would just say, Lord, we'll be consistent and do these things, God says, I'm going to do the rest. This consistency, we're not called to recognize um, 
we have not been called out uh, and called out of the world to do it just for God to say, hey, I'm calling you to follow me for a few days, maybe a month, maybe a couple months. No, no, he's calling us for whatever the length of our life, for years to keep walking the same path. It's called an old path. You're gonna want, your flesh will want a new path. God says, no, you've got to stay on the same old path, day after day after day. Now, the longer you are in a relationship with Jesus, it's not monotonous. It becomes life-breathing. It's not monotonous. Monotony is when you were chasing your sins in the world. This is life-giving. And so he wants us to continue to do this, not for a few months, but years, all the way until we finish our final lap, whatever that is. Walk the path that he's laid before us. You know the passage. By the way, the whole Proverbs chapter 3, all of Proverbs chapter 3, the whole chapter is a great parallel to this one verse. But Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, you know the passage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. There's a big warning right there. Lean not to your own understanding in all your ways, not some of them, not your top 10, all your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. If our eyes are on him, the path is clear. The path is clear. GPS is good. God's positioning system is better. Amen? Amen. Not just the correct direction from God, but we can lean on him in, the, in that direction. We can lean on him all the way. It's not just that we're walking in the paths of the ways of the Lord, but Jesus also gave us his Holy Spirit to help us walk on that path. We're commanded now to walk in the Spirit. Amen? We're commanded to walk in the Spirit. Some might say, and some surely have said, and maybe there's some that really believe it. Now, believing it doesn't make it true, but there's some that may believe, and some might think or say to themselves, they might think it or even say it out loud, walk in the ways of Christ, walk in the Holy Spirit. It's too hard. I've tried it. Not worth it. Doesn't work. I'm sure there's people that have thought that. You might be thinking that today. I hope you're not. But there may be someone thinking, oh, it's not worth it. I've tried walking in spirit. It doesn't even help. You've never walked in the spirit then. Amen. If, that's, if that's what you've come to believe. Because you're believing a lie. That's not true. God says you can walk in the spirit and it is life-giving. It is strengthening. It is rest-giving. It is peace-giving. Charles Spurgeon said, he will give you all you need on the way to heaven. He will give you all you need on the way to heaven. This step, the next step, the next step, the next step. Next year I turn 50. Big year for me, right? Next step. Each step along the way. Some of you laugh and be like, oh, he's such a child. You know, other people are like, he's so old. You know, it just depends on, <laughs> it just depends on perspective, right? All about perspective. But God knows where we're at at every single step. Most of Israel had come to that sad and self-deceived conclusion. Look at the end of verse 16, but they said we will not walk on it. Worse than that, goes in verse 17, God speaking, and I set a watchman over you saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet, but they said we will not listen. They were adamant that they did not need God's help. It's like watching every award show on TV now. Do not need God's help. Verse 19 
I will certainly bring calamity on this people, the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not heeded my words nor my law, but rejected it. That warning 2,600 years ago is still in effect now. It's still in effect. It's coming to the world. It's coming sooner than most people think. And it's not coming my way as long as I stay in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Isn't that great to know? Now, difficulty might come, but not the judgment of God on us. Does that make sense? Difficulty comes to everybody, but not the judgment of God. God's not judging his children. And Israel had the chance. They had the chance to find this rest. But they said, no, we don't want it. They were trying to carve out their own version of heaven on earth. And all the while, they were headed for a cliff they did not see. They were headed for a cliff that was going to fall right off the edge. Believing themselves, believing in themselves, rather than believing in the love and faithfulness of God. Tragic mistake. But notice the promise. We don't have to make that mistake. And I'm talking to saved people for the most part. Maybe you don't know the Lord. We don't have to make this mistake. Notice the promise and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. What a promise. It's in this walk, it's in these laps led by Jesus, these laps we're walking or running led by, it's in these laps led by the Lord that you find rest. You find rest in taking laps by walking, not laying down on the job, walking in the faith. At the soul level, you find rest. Isn't that great to know? It's a spiritual walk we're talking about here. Something that a perfect meal, the perfect person, no such thing, the person of your dreams, a big bonus, a magical vacation, a meticulously planned life. You're, 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 you are the master planner of everything, right? All of that stuff can't provide rest for your soul. Amen. Cannot find rest for your soul. You're going to need to do it tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And you keep trying to think, if I just get it right, if everything goes right, if no one gets in my way, then I'll finally have rest. And Jesus he made this same promise and claim. This rest for your soul, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus, I believe he had this passage in mind when he said, he made this promise. I believe him. How about you? Do you believe what Jesus said? He said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and you will have rest for your souls. Same exact words, and you will have rest for your souls. Of course, he's, he's the living word, Old and New Testament. He says, if you take this yoke on me, a yoke is what you put on an oxen. That means work and up and down the fields. He says, you do that, you'll find rest. That's a paradox, isn't it? How would going up and down the fields with a yoke give us rest? Because he says, my burden is light. Yoke to Jesus, plowing a field, is planting the seeds of future growth, and it will be rest to our souls. Amen? Do we see it? Are we asking for his help to see it? Say, I, I can't really see Ask for God's help. If you have a relationship, ask for his help. Asking, are we asking for his presence? Are we walking in it and believing it? If so, we'll find vision. We'll find the depth of his love. We'll find new rest and peace for today that the world knows nothing of. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your promises and your warning. Lord, true love warns. You warned Israel. And you warn us that anything short of agreeing with you, believing in you, trusting in you, 
standing and seeing as you've shown us from your perspective. Lord, asking for the old past, asking for more of you and less of what you could do for us. But asking in, in sincerity, Lord, we want more of your presence. And Lord, with the help of your spirit, consistently just putting one foot in front of the other to walk this life of faith. You said when you return, will you find faith on the earth? Would you find faith in us? Lord, we want, we want to have that trust grow. As you've been faithful, Lord, that our love for you and our trust in you grows.